There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support service or person that you feel comfortable with. Thank you. As far as stalking and everything goes, it's really one of the few crimes where you have to supply all the evidence. I just became my own detective and I'm I'm still in that mindset that I have to find the evidence. Di McDonald and her former husband parted ways and divorced finally in 2013. Their marriage, like so many other marriages, had come to an end and they parted as amicably as possible for the sake of their children. After a while, though, Di thought about dipping her toes into the dating scene, but she didn't need to because a customer at her workplace had seen her and he was very taken with her. He persisted and eventually they went out for coffee and she found that she really liked him. He was charming, he was attentive, a gentleman and quite sweet is how she described him. But he couldn't mask his true personality for long and after a couple of months, Di decided that she didn't want to see him anymore. They parted ways, but it didn't take him long to charm his way back into her life by promising to change. He was a master manipulator, and Di believed him, but but why wouldn't she? Di had unfortunately met a narcissist, a man who couldn't accept rejection. He had a sense of entitlement, no empathy, was revenge-driven, cruel and vindictive, delusional and obsessive. Their reunion didn't last long as his true self began to emerge yet again. So this time, Di made it clear that it was over, finished, done. And with that, he became hell-bent on making her life as uncomfortable, terrifying and scared as he possibly could. And he then started on her friends and her mum, although much of what he did was never proved but the light was well and truly shining on him. So so what sort of a person does this? Max Gardner, that's who. 
It's like Di had thrown a match onto a fire. Today we talk to Di about how this relationship has completely changed her life and her relationships and how she still lives with the fear that Max will start his vile, disturbing behaviours again, seeing as he's recently been released from jail, having completed a term of imprisonment for offences he committed against Di and her daughter. But Di isn't laying down and giving up or withdrawing into a quiet, secluded life. Max picked the wrong woman. She's been featured on Australian Story. She's made a submission to the Victorian Law Reform Commission's stalking inquiry where seven of her recommendations were listed. And she's a strong advocate for law reform regarding stalking legislation and police responses to reports of stalking. So with that introduction, Di, welcome to NFI and thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Ah, it's an absolute pleasure. So, so Di, Di was, uh, I might just help the listeners here a bit, but Di was a guest of mine at my recent show called The Stalker. And if you happen to go, uh, Di was pretty amazing with what she had to share, but it was only 15 minutes or so to hear Di's story. So for the listeners, can, if we can go in, uh, get straight into the questions where you described once that Max had created a jail of sorts in your head. And I thought that was an incredibly disturbing but true account of your life since meeting him. So can you tell us about meeting Max or what it was that you initially liked about him? Oh, wow. When, when he first came into the store, he, he was... He was very, very nice. He'd actually just had surgery, so he was um, using a walking stick and he, he couldn't get what he wanted in the store. Um, one of the other managers actually helped him, but he wasn't happy with the way he was treated by her. But the, the thing was, I said exactly the same thing that she did to him, but I think maybe my approach was a little bit different or I, I don't know. But he came back in to thank me. And he bought a rose and a letter. And um, it just kind of took off from there. You can imagine all my staff were just, you know, passing around this this letter that he left and, yeah, oh, go out with him, go out for coffee. You know, Gloria Jeans was literally, you know, like a few metres out the front of the our front door. So um, I, I did that. I, I met him for coffee there a couple of times before – I agreed to go out to dinner with him and other people in the complex, in the shopping complex, actually knew him as well and said that he was a fabulous guy. He'd look after you, spoil you rotten. Um, yeah, so everyone was singing his praises. So, so that's why I chose, yeah, thought, okay, might give this a go. Yeah. And so what did you – so you gave him a go, mm. but what did you like about him? Like you obviously went out with him for, for dinner and a few dates, I imagine. So what did you like about him? Oh, I don't know. Um, he, he was really sweet and he was um, like nothing was too much trouble. Um, my dog had passed away and um, he actually made, like dug the most amazing grave for my dog, Gypsy, You've got no idea the thought and effort he put into it. 
um, I can send you a photo actually <laughs> when we're done here. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just beautiful, you know, and, and these are the things he was just, he would go out of his way for anything. Um, my car actually broke down. I couldn't get it out of my driveway. And he came in for morning tea and I said, oh, I had to walk to work. And he said, I told him what happened and he, he knew instantly what was wrong with my car and went and got some power steering fluid off the shelf and asked for my keys. He said, if I can't fix your car, I'll take it to my mechanic. So, you know, these were the things that he was really helpful with, um, you know, kind of like the knight in shining armour. Um, it was a little bit later on that I, I found out exactly what happened with my car and my keys, but it took a long time <laughs> for me to find out what he actually did. Mm. And while we're on that then, what did he actually do? Well, it turns out my power steering cable had been cut. So it had leaked all the fluid out, which is why I could only drive up and down my driveway. I couldn't turn. And before then, it, the steering had been really, really heavy. But I'm a lot older, so I'm used to cars without power steering. So I was able to still drive it, even though I'm thinking the steering's really heavy. You know, what, what's going on here? And I had been in touch with my mechanic, who's actually a, a childhood friend, and I was waiting for him to come over and have a look at my car, but, yeah, I never got got that far. So, yeah. So are you saying that with the whatever it was that you said was cut? Yeah, the power steering uh, cable. Do you, okay, do you believe that that was Max that did that? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, so... I see what you're saying. So what he's done is he's he's done this, but then he's fixed it. He's been mm -hmm. able to mm -hmm. um, identify it, mm -hmm. and you're thinking, "Wow, how good is this?" You yeah, know, he, exactly. He would, yeah. Oh, yeah. gee. Yeah. So you know, he drove my car to his mechanic, um, left the car there, but then he also went and got sets of my keys cut. So he had keys to my house. So I wondered, and I didn't know this until Mother's Day of 2015 when I said to my neighbour, I'm like, if you see Max around, please let me know he's not to be here. And she's like, Jai, he's here all the time. He lets himself into your house with keys. I'm like, what? So, yeah, that was the very next day as I'm opening the store, I'm on the phone to a locksmith. So the locksmith comes along. I, I had to change my lunch break, everything like that. But Max actually turned up when the locksmith was there. And it, my house was wide open, so he just walked straight in. So a fight ensued and um, the locksmith was going to call police, but then Max left. But then he came back just as I paid the locksmith. And, yeah, chaos. So I'm trying to do all this in my lunch break. <laughs> I was gone from work for hours because of all of this. And, yeah, so then, so after that, when I got home that night, because I asked him, I said, how did you know I was home? I didn't, you know, this isn't my usual lunch break. How did you know? And he said, my staff told him. So when I got back to work, I asked them, I said, is anyone here seeing Max? And they said, no, why? I said, well, he turned up at my home. And they're like, no, we haven't seen him and we wouldn't tell him where you were anyway. So um, that night I went home thinking there must be a tracker on my, on my phone. And it took me 
hours and hours because I am not one for technology. Uh, my kids all attest to that. Um, but I found, I found it. I found it. I just, I was able to keep swiping uh, on and changing pages in my phone. And then I found um, a blue dot, big blue dot for my address and a smaller blue dot. And when I enlarged it, you know how you, you spread with your fingers on your phone? Yes. Um, yep. Yeah, it was his, his street area. So, I'm so, like, so, so, Doi, how long had you been going out with him before putting that aside just for the minute? Mm-hmm. Because at the time you didn't know, you thought he was this knight in shining yeah, armour. Yeah. How long was it before you started to just sort of feel a bit unsettled in your tummy thinking something is not right here? Yeah, so it was probably Christmas of 2014. And um, he got extremely jealous of my son. Now, my son lives hours and hours away. He came down and stayed with me with, brought, you know, with his girlfriend. And then we went over to my sister's for Christmas lunch and, you know, Max drove. And, yeah, he, he just got extremely jealous of my son. So that, that was it. So Boxing Day, when we dropped my son off and his girlfriend off at the train station at Broadmeadows to catch the country train back home, yeah, I said that's it because he just went off saying, you didn't wait for me, you didn't hold my hand, you know, it's all about your son. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, drop me at home and we're done. Um yeah. So, and uh, and Doi, how how long had you been going out with him? Uh, you said this happened around Christmas yeah, of twenty so when twenty twenty fourteen. So we yeah. met we met in October of twenty fourteen. Oh God, that's not wrong. Yeah, yeah, but oh. no, nobody comes between me and my kids, especially my son, who I don't see very much. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, so two months in is yeah. when you've said no. Yeah. yeah this no, is no. Yeah, okay. So yeah. the behavioural traits that you were noticing that made you feel like this isn't right was the fact that he was possessive, mm-hmm. that uh, he was trying to I don't know, let's say alienate you from your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Um, I suppose you then get back together, but yeah. how did he gain your trust again when oh. you had ended the relationship well, that first time? When I when I yeah said it was over in December, both my sister and my best friend Kathy were like they thought I was really harsh that you know I should have given him a little bit more of a go. Um, so Kathy and I were at Elwood food and wine bar, as it was known back then. It's, it's a different name now. Um, a friend of ours was performing, so we were there, and Max actually turned up. And Kathy was the one that invited him in. And I'm just like, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? She's like, he's a nice guy. Give him another chance. Yeah. So, yeah, I did. But <laughs> what happened that day like Kath and I went out, Kath used to smoke in those days. So um, 
when, when she finished, we all went inside and, and we went out to the bathroom just to talk about because I was freaking out at her, going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why? why? No. Um, but what, what I didn't know was Max had sat down with Fabian, our friend that was performing, and Max was saying to Fabe, oh, why did she take her phone? Why didn't she leave her phone here? Why did she go to the bathroom with her phone? Now, Fabian told Kathy the conversation weeks later, but Kath didn't tell me. And, and by this point, you know, we were already back going out for dinners and things like that. So I learned that later on. So, yeah, why, why was he so interested in my phone? I don't know. I don't know. But it was also strange after that, that day, um, I think it was like a Sunday afternoon or something, and um, Kath and I left and um, I'd actually gotten a flat tyre. So, I'm, you know, I'm like, Kath, something going on. I'll, I'll just head to the petrol station and, and we'll check out my tyres. And, and one, one was flat. So I think that was the, the beginning because, <laughs> you know, later on he made a, a habit of attacking tyres. Mm. So you thought at that time when you had the flat tyre, you had a, a little voice in your head, did no, you, that said, no, I, I think I, that's him or not? No, I, I just thought, oh, gosh, you know, I put air in it. Well, actually, there was another couple next to us. I'm an idiot when it comes to cars and technology. So the, the couple next to us, the, the gentleman actually put air in my tyre for me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I didn't think it was him. It, it, all these things are in hindsight with what happened down the track. And then you look back and you think, you, you look at situations differently and think, yes. Oh, did he do that as well? Because he came from the same direction I had parked my car when he first approached us. I don't, I don't know if he knew that we were standing outside the venue or what, but, um, yeah, so I think he had been letting down my tyre. Mm. Okay, and and so the second time that you ended the relationship, uh, how did he respond to that? Not good. <laughs> um, this was in regard to my mum. So my mum at that time was still living at home. Uh, my dad had passed away um, months earlier, so we had lots of, medical appointments for mum and he would not let me take her by myself he had to be there he had to if she was in hospital he had to take me but the the kicker was that day his mum who is now if she's still alive I don't, I don't know if she is or not um she would be in her 90s now but he she lived down in Rosebud he would make her catch public transport to come up and stay with him so I had an appointment the day that his mum was arriving with mum, with my mum at the doctor's, and he's like, no, 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 wait for my mum to get here. We'll go and pick your mum up, take her to her surgeon's appointment, and the two mums can meet. And I, I just thought that was insane. Um, I can't wait. My mum has a specific appointment time. It's a surgeon. It's not just a GP. Um, so, yeah, it, it just kind of really freaked me out. So 
I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. No, I'm taking my mum by myself. You can wait here for your mum to arrive and have a nice time with your mum. So after that, he kept turning up at work, dropping off letters. Um, or if I wasn't at work, if I was, you know, sitting out having lunch or that, he would sit down with me. So at this point, you know, I, I had found the tracker on my phone. So each time he, he sat down with me, I was in my head thinking, my phone, my phone, my phone. And sure enough, the tracker would be back on there because I knew where to look for it. Yeah. You know, it's like that situation you just described with your mum and his mum and the difference, how he treated your mum to his mum. It's like it's complete control or he's mm. trying to control you and everything you do and everything to do with you. Yeah. Like, as you say, to put his mum on a train mm. but then insist on going with you to your mum's uh, medical appointment, that is just bizarre, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and it's horrific for his mum. You know, she, she would catch a country train or a bus and then have to get on a metro train out to Craigieburn. So it was hours and hours of travel for this lady. <laughs> yeah, crazy. And and so then things, uh, I believe from what you've told me before, that a lot of strange things started happening. So you've told him that this is it now, that the second time, no, it, it's over. Mm -hmm. And But a number of things started to happen, didn't they, because some things happened with your mum. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so can you tell us about that? Yeah, the first time with mum, I had been over there and I, I left. My, my mum lived in Blackburn South at that point in time and I left there and went to Brighton over to Cathy's and about 11.30 mum's calling me saying that uh, there's been a rock thrown through her front window. And she said, look, um, one of the neighbours who I grew up with was having a party for her, one of her daughters, it was her 21st. So I'm trying to get hold of, of the neighbour, her name's Kim, um, and then I ended up just getting to mum's and I said to mum, look, I'll walk down and, and go and talk to Kim and see, you know, if anyone had left her party at that time. I said, just ring the police and ring our other neighbour and get him to come over and sit with you until I get there. So, you know, I get there. The police had already been. Uh, Mum made a report about what happened. I walked down to Kim's and um, had a chat to her, but she said, no, 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 we were doing speeches at that time. So... No one, she could not think of anyone that would have done that, walked past mum and, you know, just being drunk or whatever and just thrown something. At mom. My parents had these massive front windows, like in the lounge and also their bedroom, massive front windows. So let that go. We reported it to police, didn't think anything more of it, just, you know, moved on. And then a few months later we put mum 
oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> mum, we, yeah, yeah mum went into a nursing home um, yeah. for her own yeah. safety because, yeah, she nearly burnt the kitchen down and things were, like that were happening. Yes, yes, yeah, I've been through that yeah. situation myself. It's yeah. very, very, it's awful, but, it, yeah. you know, yeah. as you say, it's for their safety. For her, yep. their own safety. Yep. And it was a very, um, it was like she had her own little studio apartment. It wasn't just a room in a nursing home where she had full-time care or anything like that. No, she was independent. And so I had uh, family coming over from Adelaide. And we always, we're football fanatics. We always go to the footy together. And um, so everyone was staying at mum and dad's. And we'd just gotten back from the footy and I left to head home. And my cousin Daryl was calling me and I had an old Ford in those days and my phone was always in my bag. You know, I didn't have Bluetooth or anything like that. So I didn't answer. Then when I get home, my home phone's ringing and I'm like, oh, God, okay, pick that up. And it was my cousin. He's going, we've just had a cricket ball thrown through the front window. He said, it just missed my son. So he said, we actually got dressed, you know, put our, uh, our shoes on or whatever and went outside and they actually chased Max to his car. So, oh, so they identified him? Yes, yes. Okay. And um, so I said, okay, I'm getting in my car, I'm driving around the corner to see if he's home and my cousin's like, don't do that, don't do that. I said, no, I've got to make sure that it's him. And I drove past his house, saw he wasn't home, I then drove to Craigieburn Police and they were actually closed and there was a sign saying contact Broadmeadows and I'm like, oh, dear God, by the time Broadie come over here, if they even do, um, he will be home and just say, no, nah, it wasn't me, I've been home the whole time. Yep, yep. E- even though his car would have been warm, you know. <laughs> so uh, I, I didn't pursue calling Broadmeadows Police Station. I went back past his house. He wasn't home. I sat in my car. There was a little court just down from his house. I, I pulled up my car, hid my car, sat in my car thinking, okay, if it is Max, he should get home between 1.30 a.m. and 1.45. So I'm sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, and I see headlights and I see it turn into his driveway and I looked at the time and it was 1.38. I went, bingo. Yep. So then that's when I realised that the first incident at mum and dad's was him also. It was the same window. And I didn't tell mum about the second. I, I just, because mum went through insurance with the first one, I just paid for that myself to have it fixed. Mm. Yeah. But, but what sort of a, I mean, I know we're talking about a man that um, is not a normal, you know, he's not. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Not normal. He is not right. Mm. But to actually do that to somebody's elderly mum. Yeah. Like, they're, oh, that, to me, it doesn't get much lower than that. No, that, no, especially my mum. Poor old mum. Yeah. yeah. My mum had never lived on her own, so she's in 80. And, you know, my dad's just passed away. Um, she's the only remaining one in her family. She was the youngest of 10. So you can imagine growing up, <laughs> you know, she had nine older siblings plus her parents and then she met my dad when she was 16. So her first time living on her own at 80 and she's under fire, you know. But she so she, she never knew. She never knew about what was going on with Max. I, I never told her because she would never understand, but she started noticing changes in me, like, why is your hair white? You, you shouldn't have white hair for another 20 years or more. And I'm like, I don't know, Mum. Genetics, I don't know. You know, and I'd just say, pop it off, you know. And why was your hair white, darling? Stress. I actually, that's why I'm now blonde, because I was trying to stay dark and... Um, yep. Yeah, it was just too difficult. <laughs> I, I've lost all the colour, the pigments in my hair, so it's very easy for me to be blonde than it was when I was younger because I always would throw back red. Um, yeah, our family have a lot of redheads, <laughs> so um, I would always have so much toner in my hair to be blonde. And then in 2007, I went back to being dark. And, um, yeah. So I changed my hair back to blonde and no toner, no nothing, because there's no bits. I, I can just, no toner needed, no nothing. So, yeah. And tell us about uh, the pamphlets. Yeah, the flyers um, started happening, oh, I can't even remember. The, I think it was July, July of 2015, the first one was put up. So, Kath actually lived around the corner from the wine larder. So, you know, on a weekend, we'd just walk around there. Um, 
have a few drinks, see who was playing, um, catch up with friends. And, yeah, so the, the flyers started appearing. I think the first one he left on the wine racks. So the owners, Chris and Tony, aren't there all the time. So they have staff that run the wine ladder when they're not there. And Max took a opportune time to leave the first flyer because they would have recognised him. So he, he waited until they weren't working and left the first flyer on the wine racks and then um, they started appearing on the front window or under the door or he'd send them through the mail. And what did the uh, pamphlet say? Um, accusing me of being a prostitute, a whore. Initially it was just attacking me and then, then he went after Cap as well. So he actually started um, leaving notes in her mailbox. He would leave the front gate open, um, yeah, just, you know, hoping that her dog would, would escape, um, yeah. I hate to bring it up, but I think we need to. But um, what can you tell us about what happened with Kathy because of the? Um, well, do we know? Do we know that it was? And we'll we'll um, go into this in a minute. But, but do we know that it was due to um, uh, Max and his behaviours? Like no. No, okay. I, anyway, so I, I can't prove that. Um, okay, I am, I'm jumping I am, ahead. I am, I am trying to prove what was going on in her head, but um, with what Kath was doing, Kath actually moved um, away from the house um, to make it all stop because it was just getting too much for her. Um, where she moved to, she was able to keep her younger son at the same high school, you know, because everything's zoned and everything. Um, so, yeah, and when she died, um, she had a lot of plans in place. She was going to have an exhibition of her artwork. She had gotten in touch with an old friend of hers who's also an artist, and they used to live together back in the 80s. So she... She had planned on, on meeting Katie for lunch on the Thursday, but she was found deceased on the Sunday by her sons, both of them. Um, there was a suicide note, and what her youngest son told me was that the suicide note didn't make any sense. And I said to him, you know, sweetie, just send me a copy of it and I'll try and decipher it for you. And he said, police, police have it. And I'm like, okay, if, if you get it back, send it through and I'll try and work out what, what was going on in your mum's head. Um, so I have never received a copy of that suicide letter. That's actually what I'm chasing. Um, I've since spoken to her son and like after the second episode of Australian Story aired, we were on the phone for hours. And he said, you know what, Di, it didn't even look like mum's writing. She must have been really, really drunk. So, you know, that just sent chills down me. So, yeah. <laughs> so we have no proof, but what, what do you think were, happened? 
Why do you think Kathy ended her life? If she did, um, and this came about when I saw the charge sheet when he was eventually charged. And had I died, he would have been held responsible for my death because of the IBO I had in place. Now, I had Kathy's address on my IBO, um, but he wasn't held responsible for her death. But had she taken out her own IBO against him, he then would have been held responsible. Regardless if he did it or she took her own life, he still would have been responsible because of the harassment. So I think we need to make this very clear mm. that we are not saying no. that Max uh, killed no. your friend Kathy no. at all. What we are saying is that you have a belief that due to the harassment and the vile and disgusting pamphlets mm -hmm. that he was putting around where you and Kathy uh, frequented that it became too much for Kathy and that she ended her life. Yes. Is that right? That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And so um, what you're doing now is you are trying uh, to uh, seek some legal advice about whether Max can be held responsible for her ending her life. Is that what you're trying to do? I, I would like, um, yeah, something to happen because, you know, I don't want her death to be in vain. Um, it's, it's six years now um, and... I have gone to the police commissioner, the assistant commissioner. Um, yeah, the legal system is very, very complex <laughs> and you have to. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and as far as um, stalking and everything goes, it's really one of the few crimes where you have to supply all the evidence. Yeah, you know, which is I, I just became my own detective and I'm, I'm still in that mindset that I have to find the evidence because, you know, I've, I've always supplied footage of his offending, um, yeah, camera footage at my house, you know, and, and police knew it was him very early on in, in, the, in the whole story um, but refused to um, charge him with anything because he was wearing a balaclava and in their mind it was no magistrate's going to convict him, he's wearing a balaclava, so we're not going to bother. Yeah, it's easy to say that because the, the issue, uh, I'm saying it's easy for the police to say that, mm. uh, but what it really means is to put the gloves on and you've got to dig a bit deeper and try other avenues because the issue the police have is that uh, the the first point of any uh, point of proof for any offence is you've got to prove identity, yeah. like who did it, right? And so the fact that Max is um, or this person was wearing a balaclava, I get what the police are saying. Yes, identity is an mm -hmm, issue, mm -hmm. but there are other um, supporting. Um, there's other supporting evidence you can give to to virtually say there is no one else this could have been because of, I don't know, you know, they could have, for instance, done a, a warrant on his house and found yeah. the, uh, 
the, the jumper that he was wearing, yeah, all the, the shoe the, prints. The, or, the balaclava. And, and his shoes were really particular as well. Um, you, yes. could, you could see his shoes in, in the footage. And also um, he had followed me into the police station a couple of times and I could match the shoes from those photos I took of him in at the counter at Craigieburn. So, yes. you know, well, I, I had things that all matched up. But, um, you know, the police actually told me because they knew that, you know, my neighbours would come out at any hour, day or night to help me. Um, they said, get your neighbours to make a citizen's arrest, tackle him to the ground, take, rip the balaclava off and then call us. They did not. They did. And that came from a sergeant. I won't name him, but I do know his name. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. that, that was what I was told to do. So it took, it took another three years and Detective Norris to be involved before a search warrant was put, and he was ready to go. He had another, a new flyer, the balaclava, the gloves in a bag. Yeah. And, and we'll get to that, but can I just go back a bit? Mm -hmm. So you went to the police a number of times to report his behaviour. Yeah. And the response, as you've just um, so eloquently put <laughs> about, you know, get your neighbours to do the citizens, like that is just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but unfortunately it's true because you're telling, why would you? <laughs> it's just, it's hard to get my head around it. Yeah, somebody, oh, oh, I'm not making it up. Sergeant. No, no, I, I know that. I was in yeah. a complete state of shock. Okay, we'll just do all of your work so for you. Mm, um, mm. I'm already giving you evidence, like the flyers, the footage, um, footage from out front of my home. Um, what more do you want? Him on a silver platter for you to charge him? You know, it was, yeah. And my headspace was not great back then, was not great. <laughs> so how many times do you think you went to the police to report his behaviour where you got a, an, an inadequate response at the, at the very least? Yeah. Oh, I can't even count them. I, I could actually get out my statements and count them because <laughs> I have them all. Really? Yeah. There's that many? There's that many. That, and yeah. they did nothing. And they did nothing. There was actually a couple of informants at um, Craigieburn that were very helpful. Um, one policewoman, she was amazing, and there was another informant that actually went to the library and spoke to the manager because that's where he was creating all these flyers. I'd approached the manager oh, yeah. and she said yeah. she knew exactly who he was and they were all scared of him, so they weren't going to intervene in any way. Um, so he actually went and spoke to the manager saying, look, next time he's here, let us know or can, you know, once he's printed out whatever he's, he's doing, can you then take a copy of it and call us? And she, re she refused. So, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom at Craven. There were actually a couple of really nice, nice people there, but, um, yeah, it was few and far between. And then they told me they, they were going to move it on to Broadmeadows because that's where the family violence unit was. Okay. So, and I, I actually took offence at um, being in the family violence under that banner because I didn't live with him. He didn't stay overnight in my home. He's just someone I know that's terrorising me and my friends and my family. So, you know, a lot of these support groups, I, I didn't get any help 
because they couldn't help me because I wasn't in a domestic relationship with them. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very tricky for someone like me that's just it's a standalone stalking that's not domestic but, violence. But, but I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you could refer to him, and I don't want to get too personal here, but you could refer to him as an intimate partner, couldn't you? I guess. Mm. Yeah. It, so do you, when you went to the police, uh, this many times when you got no response or very little, and we're not taking away from the fact that there were, and let's put it out there, there were a couple of very good police people at Craigieburn that did help you. Yes, yeah. But but the majority, uh, it was it just seems to be all a bit hard. But do you believe? Did you think you were? Did you sorry? Did you feel believed? Yes. Um, okay. I, I, right. I did because they were acknowledging who it was but they wouldn't do anything about it. But, it, it, you know, it took me going in with evidence and things like that, and once they saw the footage, they knew instantly who it was. But it took me to take in evidence so that they would believe me. Until then, it was my word against his, you know. They'd call him in for questioning and he'd deny everything and they'd let him go. But, you know, from the footage, they could tell, even though you couldn't see his face, he has a particular walk, a particular gait. So they knew instantly it was him. So I was eventually believed, but they still did nothing. Yeah, I, I, I can think of so many avenues of inquiry that you could conduct. Um, if, if you came to the police station, I, I would hope if you went to a police station today that the, the response would be very different, and I'm sure it would be. Uh, well, I, but, I hope so as well. I don't, yeah, I don't know, goodness. but yeah. Yeah. And that, well, I do uh, because I know that they have completely changed their response, I think, to and their education about psychological damage. It is just as much a crime as a physical crime, the only thing is you don't have your broken bones and you don't have bruising. Yeah. But psychological damage, uh, I mean, well, it, it can do terrible things to people to the point where with your friend Kathy, they end up uh, ending their lives because they just can't deal with it. It's, um, yeah. it's a different sort of a crime and I think that's what uh, police around the world, not just here in Victoria, They've got to get their head around and they're yeah. trying to, I'm sure. But but I think that was interesting what you just said before about the fact that you were you re were required to be your own detective. There is not another offence that I can think of where or another crime where a victim is uh, really has to collect the evidence to produce to the police for them to do the like Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so. I feel so frustrated. I just want to get behind a, a, a police watch house counter and talk to people like yourself and help you and just, yeah. just do something. God. Anyway, um, so the response was, wasn't all that flash. But mm -hmm. so having very little response from the police, you decided, correct me if I'm wrong here, mm -hmm. that if they weren't going to protect you, uh, that you needed to protect yourself. 
So you did a couple of things to make yourself feel safer. Can you tell us what you did, remembering that this just seems... Yeah. It just seems so wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So I um, got in contact with my bank and asked about redrawing equity out of my home, you know, because I, you know, I'm a single (laughs) mum. So um, they agreed to that. And uh, with the money, I put in cameras. Uh, My friends actually had a motel and they said, get get this, this brand of camera. And they were in vanilla. They said, we'll come down and we'll install the cameras for you. So I got those cameras that they told me to get and they came down, put all of them up. So I had four cameras across the front of my house. Um, I also put in roller shutters across the front windows and the side windows. Um, and it's like a bloody jail. Yeah. And, Seriously. And yeah. because my car was being attacked, um, I changed my carport into a garage. So I had the um, picket gates that I had at the, at the front. I moved them to the back of the carport and then got um, a roller garage door put in. So, yeah, it, it costs thousands and thousands of dollars. And, and like I said, he was attacking my car. Um which my dad had given me. So I would still have that old Ford today if he hadn't have completely destroyed it because my dad gave it to me. Um, So I had to buy a new car as well. So, again, I was redrawing money out of the equity of my home to purchase all these things, yeah. And and it wasn't only um, you weren't just doing that to make your place feel safer. That was one issue, but... Your health and relationships were suffering as well, weren't they, from, yeah, from yeah. all this? Can you tell us a bit about that, how it has affected well, your mental health? Yeah, before I did all of that, um, you know, I had Kathy yelling and screaming at me. Um, my youngest daughter, who hated Max from the beginning, um, she had had enough of it. Um, so she actually complained to her father, so I'm dealing with my ex as well. Um, my daughter's boyfriend's parents were also being attacked. This is how extreme it was. And, um, you know, so even if my daughter wasn't at home and she was at the boyfriend's house, things were still going on there. So I just thought my, my head was like, if, if I'm not here, it will all go away and everyone will be safe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was where my head went and I couldn't take any more of people screaming at me, you know. How, how could I make it stop? Police were not helping me. I, I, I didn't know where to go for help. So, um, yeah, I, I, I did try in, in my life. But I woke up in the morning extremely sick. Um, I should have gone to hospital and had my stomach pumped, but... Um, no one was home. Like my daughter was, yeah, she was more and more staying at her boyfriend's place. So I, I dealt with my recovery myself and it was not pretty. Um, yeah, it was, I, I was not in a good headspace. By this stage, Di, had, had Cassie had ended her life by this stage, no, hadn't she? No, no, no. Cassie came two years later. 
all along, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Kath, um, we, we'd have these weekends where we, we'd call them Kumbaya weekends, you know, just to try and, yeah, make yeah, make ourselves, you know, be happy and, and release, you know, all the negativity and, and things like that. Um, no, you know, Kath was about two years after my attempt. So it was, it was going on for all of that time. And with that attempt, and um, oh, I'm not uh, condoning what you did, but I think people can understand that you just get to a point, I imagine, where you just can't see a way out and clearly exactly. you couldn't. Yeah, I, I, and, I yeah. Yeah. So how did your your friends, your family respond? Did they ever find out about no, what you No, I, I, I didn't tell them. I didn't tell okay. them. Because when I came to and, you know, I had many, many days of recovery and I started thinking this is where my mind shifted from from being victim and I need to remove myself from everything so everyone's safe to being okay you're here for a reason you have to get this guy so you know pick yourself up and yeah so I I really had to have that internal dialogue with myself to change my thinking and yeah but it took another three years for it all to pan out you know, and and pan out it did. Can you tell us about you actually had a policewoman that did go and do all those avenues of inquiry that I was saying hadn't been done initially. So next week, Di continues detailing the lengths her perpetrator went to in his offending, all because she ended their relationship. Di takes us through the challenges of almost being cast aside during plea negotiations with the defence when her perpetrator pleaded guilty, how police found a balaclava amongst other items at a search of his house and how an FBI agent whose evidence was responsible for bringing down the uni bomber had evidence that would help in sending Di's perpetrator to prison as well. So thanks and uh, have a good week and we'll talk next week. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.